I've had a thought for a couple of weeks now, and, and I guess we'll, we'll see what happens this morning, uh, if it'll make sense. Turn to Hebrews, book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I have preached using this verse numerous times, including times here. But there's something about it that just caught my attention a few weeks ago, and I haven't been able to forget. So in Hebrew chapter 12, I just want to read the first verse to start with, and it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely as we run the race with endurance. I'm sorry. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So I just want to read that first verse to start with and say that what I noticed a few weeks ago was that this says weight and sin. And I think I'd always read this verse, and for some reason that sin part always popped out in my mind. It seemed to be what I focused on. It seems to be what I've heard other people focus on. And there is no doubt that we can engage in certain sinful behaviors in our lives and it will entangle us, it will slow us down, it will keep us from running. But very clearly, there's a separation and a difference between the sin and a weight that is set here. In fact, this is the only time, uh, and I had to look this up, I'm really not that smart, the only time this word's used in the New Testament, that weight right there. And so I want you to keep that in mind. And I want to do something else that I think is very important. I want to read chapter 11. Because the first verse of chapter 1, I'm sorry, the first verse in chapter 12 doesn't make as much sense if you don't understand the context. And I don't have the nice little saying that Brother Jim did about therefore, but we need to notice that there's that word and we need to know what came before. So read with me. Chapter 11 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has the foundations, 
whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of the heavens and as many of innumerable sands of the sea. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has spared, has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him up from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over his, the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to that reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? From time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdom, kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edges of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and mountains, in the dens and caves of the earth. And all these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I know that was a very long reading, but I think it's important for us to understand the concept and the context of the therefore that's in Scripture. We have to understand all these wonderful things happened by men and women of old who refused to follow the ways of the world, who were not looking to earn things in this world, but were instead focused on spiritual things, who were yearning and focused on the things that were to come, which is why you saw in chapter 11, around verse 13, it says they acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. They weren't fighting for a reward they could get here. They were fighting and living in faith for a reward that comes after. You see, they knew better than to get bogged down with all the things and the goals of this life, and they wanted to pursue in faith the things that God had for them. And that's what it was talking about, where it says they didn't receive the promise, the promise of a good life here on earth. No, in fact, some of them went through horrible times, absolutely losing everything, including their lives. But their reward was an eternal reward in the next life. And they didn't lose focus on where they were supposed to go. And so we are then reminded, therefore, since we have this great cloud of witnesses, their testimonies, their written scripture, the word of God that we have that has recorded these events, in light of all of this, what are we to do then? We are to lay aside the weight and lay aside the sin that entangles us and keeps us from doing the same thing. So what is this weight that I keep talking about that's different than sin? We know what sin is. I don't have to stand here and tell you that, although there's some question over in our current society what constitutes sin, but that's for a different day. But we clearly may know what sin is, but maybe it's difficult to know what we're talking about with a weight. Well, if you look up the uh, definition of this word, it means a mass or a burden or a hindrance, and the very end of the definition says, whatever is prominent. So if you put great weight on something, that's something that's very prominent. If you're carrying something very heavy, that's the prominent, dominant thing that's on your mind. So here are the questions. What is prominent in your life? What is a burden that you are carrying? What mass of this world do you need to lay aside so that you can run your race? Now, maybe your mind immediately goes to some type of sin in your life. And again, that's probably a different sermon, but you should listen to that spiritual voice that identifies something. But I'm not talking about things that are necessarily sinful. I'm talking about the weight of the world, the things that we do and take on that burden us unnecessarily and cause us to not run the race as we should. Cause us to forget that this world is not our home. So let me give you some examples. 
of weights or burdens or hindrances. Being allured by this world. Remember Lot's wife came down. Angels said they had to flee the city, leave much of their family behind, leave all their wealth, all their status, all the good times they were having, told them to leave and to never look back. She couldn't do it. She had to pause as the city was being destroyed and to look back. And the lesson that I'm wanting to get from this is many, many times in our lives, we, as believers in Christ, are pursuing worldly things more than we are spiritual things. And even when told to lay those burdens down and to go the other direction, we pause and look back, longing to go back to the sin or just to the not good things that she was involved with. And we need to be careful. Another example is Sometimes we try to use the equipment of the world that just doesn't fit us very well. You remember when Saul went to go, I'm sorry, Saul, when David went to the battle and there was Goliath and he said, I'm going to fight this man. And Saul said, here, you put on all of my armor and do it the way that we always do it. And David put it on and he says, this isn't proven. I can't use this. He took it all off, defying all logical explanation, right? If you're going to go fight a battle, you want armor. And David said, no, I will not allow the world's equipment to be worn and encumber me to weigh me down so that I cannot fight effectively. And so I wonder how many times we do exactly what the world tells us to. We dress and look like the world tells us to. We act and do things the way the world tells us to. And the reality is, all it really does is just weigh us down. Now again, just to make my point, was there anything sinful about wearing body armor when you go into a war? Absolutely not. But it wasn't what God wanted, and it wasn't helpful for David. And all it was going to do was to weigh him down. And so he chose not to put it on. Sometimes we carry the weight or the burden or the hindrance of discouragement. Ever thought about that? We let other people and other circumstances discourage us. And if you've ever been discouraged, you know what, how much of a weight it can be. And you cannot successfully run the race of life. You cannot successfully serve the Lord when you are burdened with discouragement. Nehemiah faced this, and the people faced this. When they were trying to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and people came around and mocked them, and he had to divide them in half, and half stood guard and half worked. But he gave them words of encouragement and said, ignore them. And Nehemiah himself ignored their critics, saying, I cannot come down and talk to you and debate about what I'm doing. I'm doing a good thing. Leave me alone. That's my paraphrase. And we need to do that in our own lives. Sometimes we take on the discouragement and the negativity of others, and we need to try and push that off so that we can run the race that God has given us. Sometimes we are hindered by our own unbelief. If you recall a sermon probably a year and a half ago now called Collaborating with Christ, I talked about how every time our Lord and Savior did a miracle, there was some type of collaboration that went on between those who the miracle would occur to. God doesn't just do things to us. He does things with us. But sometimes 
our unbelief hinders Christ's work. We saw that in Nazareth, where they knew him, Matthew tells us that he went there and he could do no miracles because they had no faith. So sometimes we just don't believe. Sometimes all our worldly possessions keep us burdened down. We saw the rich young man who wanted to follow Christ and was in fact invited to do so and turned it all down when he knew he'd have to give up his worldly possessions and his wealth. Sometimes we have imaginary burdens. Remember the women who went to the tomb to anoint Christ's body and they said to themselves in the book of Mark, who's going to roll the stone away? Well, when they got there, it was already done, wasn't it? The tomb was already empty. The stone had already been rolled away. And I wonder how many times in our lives we carry a burden of disbelief. God can't do this. He won't do this. And it burdens us down to the point that we don't even try. Or maybe we're too afraid to try. What about our family ties? Luke 9.59 tells us of a man who was called to follow Christ, and he said, I had to go back and talk to my family. See, that's not a sin to take care of your family. I'm not saying abandon your family, but what I'm saying is God has to come first or it can become a burden. We can be distracted and weighed down by our preparations for things in this world. Think of Martha and Mary. Jesus was at their house. Martha was so busy preparing that she couldn't enjoy and learn from the very presence of Christ because she carried a burden that was too heavy. And Christ called her out on it. And she eventually stopped and listened. We can carry burdens of self-righteousness. We can try and be so good that it ends up being a burden. And maybe you think this isn't you, but maybe it is. This was a repeated issue for Christ in the New Testament. The Pharisees, the rulers, would put so many laws on the people. You can't do this, you can't do this, that over a time they were trying to be so good, but they were so burdened down they couldn't actually live for the Lord like they were supposed to. Remember, they tried to stone him because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. They completely missed the point by weighing people down. That's what the scriptures actually said. They place a weight and a burden on their neck so grievous that people can't even lift it. We can try so hard to be so good and follow every single little tiny rule, many of which we make up ourselves, that we miss the entire point of a Christian life. Sometimes we have the weight of past sin that we carry around. I'm thinking of the woman at the well. And sometimes we wear ourselves out trying to carry the burdens of other people. Now again, listen very closely. I listed a whole bunch of things that can be good things when they do not become an unmanageable burden. We are and ought to come together and lift each other up. But if we are trying so hard to carry the burden of someone else that we ourselves cannot run the race with endurance, that is a problem. Exodus 18 and 17 says this about Moses. 
This is his father-in-law who's speaking to him. Moses, real quick, before I read it, Moses is trying to carry the burdens of all of Israel, all the Jewish people. And his father-in-law comes and sees what he's doing and says, what are you doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Listen to this. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And Moses' father-in-law gives him advice for how to spread the burden out so that Moses can be dependent and devoted to serving the Lord and know which direction to go so that he's not carrying the entire burden by himself. Sometimes other people place weights on us that entangle us and prohibit our ability to walk and to run as we should. Many times we place burdens on ourselves. And the reality is, we can only take so much. Now I want you to know, I speak on this topic as someone who has a significant amount of experience with this. Not that I've mastered it, but that I have done it to myself. I have taken on more burdens than I should have. I have allowed others to give me more burdens than I should have. And it has kept me from walking the way that I should. This is a never-ending process, one that we have to always evaluate as we move forward in life. The world will crowd in. It will pile more and more and more on top of us if we allow it. And eventually, we get weighed down and crushed. But there is good news. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. You can turn there. We'll be there for a minute. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9 says this. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted and not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Brothers and sisters, this world is weighty. It weighs on us. And sometimes we make it worse, and sometimes we have burdens thrust upon us, but it weighs us down to the point that we are no longer effective Christians. We are no longer effective at running the race anymore because we allow everything else to overcome us and to crush us. And I just want to say, as I mentioned, I say this not because I'm necessarily good at it, but because I recognize it in myself and I see it in others. And it's only going to get worse if we allow it. I have just a couple of quick examples here. Did you know that since 1913, the dollar has lost 96% of its value? So if somebody gave Sister Beulah a dollar when she was born, it'd be worth four cents today. Inflation since 1971, and there's a specific reason we start looking at 1971, through 2015, it's 2,326%. 
words no longer carry meanings in our society, and they shift according to whoever wants to define them. And when we no longer have the ability to communicate and understand that words actually mean something, the only result is what? It's fighting, because you can't talk. It's a serious problem. We have woke culture and ideologies that are completely and wholly godless. We have over a third of our children who have no father. And let me just talk just a moment about COVID. I haven't for quite a while. I recognize that many of us are having more and more stories of those we know who are suffering very severely and those who've passed away from it. I also recognize that compared to a year ago, where I could probably mention everybody I know who had it on two hands, that's no longer the case. And so as it surges, as it grows more common, we're going to see more negative outcomes. But I do want to mention what we have seen over the past 18, 19 months is an unprecedented attack on our very basic freedoms. It's not been so bad in this country, not been very bad in Tennessee, but do you realize there are still pastors in Canada who are being arrested for opening their church doors? Do you realize that you can't go more than two kilometers from your own home for any reason at all other than a few, five reasons in Australia and they will arrest you for it? What are we giving up? What pressures are we experiencing? The very foundation of our First Amendment is the right to free speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble, like we're doing today, and the freedom to petition our government when we think something's been wronged. The problem is we have governments who are making orders by one person who's in charge, not by any elected body. Now, why did I start saying all this? I want to make a very important point. Things are not going well in any of our societies, and they are going to get worse. Inflation will not end tomorrow. Fathers are not going to return in mass to their children. COVID is not going to stop this month or next month. We're not just going to start getting all of our freedoms back. We are facing incredible, uncertain times on a level and at a pace we've never, ever seen in human history. And if we allow too many things to weigh us down so that we cannot address and we cannot look at these issues and we are losing sight of our spiritual health, we will not survive. The answer is not to throw off the government. The answer is to get on our knees, change our lives and those who we are around. And we have to be able to do that. And if we continue to carry every weight that someone wants to place in our back, if we allow everything in our lives to become entangling and remove us from the worship of God that we should have, we will not be able to stand the real tests when they come and they are already here. And so we must very, very, very carefully consider what weights we're doing and what we can shrug off. Because there are many things that we take on that we need to stop doing. We need to do what it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. We need Christians who understand the times and know what to do. We need to throw off the burdens and the weights and most certainly the sin 
so that we can run this spiritual race that we have. And we cannot do that if we're burdened down. Now, maybe you noticed in your scripture in 2 Corinthians, I skipped a verse. Verse 7. I want to go back and read that, and then verse 8 and 9 again. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. See, the reality is this. Our lives, our bodies are jars of clay, easily broken, easily crushed under weight. What's inside is what's important. The Spirit of God living inside of us is what is vital for us to protect. And we have this fragile life that we live in. And I'm not just talking about our health. I'm talking about our living overall. And if we burden a clay pot with too much weight, it breaks. And then it's not any good. A cracked and leaking pot isn't very helpful. And what we are allowing ourselves to do as followers of Christ is for the world to bear down on us to such a degree that if we continue to allow it, eventually we're going to crack. Eventually we're going to break. Now, what's inside of that clay pot, the Spirit of God remains in us and cannot be damaged, and it is our internal reward. But while we are here, while we can appropriately share the burdens of others while we can live in a world that needs to see and to hear the things that we have to say that God directs us. We need to make sure that our jars of clay do not become crushed by unnecessary weights. I don't know what weight you feel like you have. I don't know what burdens you feel like you have. But I have a distinct intuition, if you will, that as I've been talking about this, you've been thinking about some of them. Some of them you may be able to get rid of, you know, this afternoon. Others, you've made a commitment and it's going to take time before they can roll off. Others, you might be able to share with someone else. But I want us to carefully consider what weight are we carrying that is unnecessary, that doesn't help us, that only causes us to be entangled and to live a life that's not worthy? Are we too caught up in worldly desires? Are we trying to use somebody else's equipment? Are we discouraged? Do we not believe what Christ has told us? Are we too concerned about our possessions? Do we try too hard for our family? Are we distracted by the preparations that we feel we must take? Are we carrying a self-righteous burden? Are the weights of our past sin keeping us down? And are we wearing ourselves out with the burdens of others? I commend to you that we are. And I commend to you that as our society gets more and more fragile and we look at losing more of our freedoms 
and we need to be ready to fight the battles that matter. If we have allowed ourselves to be so burdened by the things that don't matter, it won't be effective. And so I encourage us, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also, just like they did, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so let me ask these questions one more time. What is most prominent in your life? What are the burdens that you carry? And what are the burdens that you should lay aside? Because the time of testing is here, as I've repeatedly said for the last year and a half. And if we think we're going to stand, the only way to do that is with the strength of the Lord. And if we haven't been running the race with him, then our clay jars are empty. No, crumble like that. We need to lay down the burdens that we shouldn't be carrying. Pray with me. Lord, I come to you today. Lord, with burdens on my mind that I need to get rid of. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak into the heart and to the mind of everyone who's listening. Or that you would help them to think of things that they need to no longer do. Burdens that they should share with someone else. Burdens that they shouldn't carry at all. Lord, help us to see the reality of this, that sometimes doing, quote-unquote, good and right things can be unnecessary burdens. Lord, reveal to us, to our hearts and our minds, the things that we need to let go of. Help us not to continue looking back to the things of the world. Help us to realize, as the saints that we read about in this, in this chapter tell us, Lord, they weren't looking or working for a world here. We know this is not our home. We know this is temporary. We know that we are just passing through. Help us to live our lives like we actually know that. Help us to carry no more burden than we have to. And Lord, when we are presented with the burden that we have to carry, Lord, I pray that we would go to you for help. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. Help us be ready for the current issues and the times that are to come. Help us to put our faith in you. Lord, help us to lay aside the weight and lay aside the sin so that we can live a life for you, so that we can tell the world, that we can tell our family, that we can tell our friends and our neighbors about you by letting them see the race that we're running. How sad it is to know that so many of us carry such heavy burdens. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know what they are Pray that you would help us to release them and to focus on you. In your most holy and precious name, amen.